everyone, welcome to Handing the Shame Back, a channel dedicated to survivors of child sexual abuse everywhere. And we are everywhere. I've got an amazing survivor today, but before I bring him back, and this is part two of our, our fantastic interview, uh, please know there's a trigger warning. Uh, of course, the content is on child sexual abuse. So if you feel triggered, go to the show notes below and you'll be directed to some resource and support. So just a quick recap. Frank Rogers comes to us from Claremont, California. He's a survivor. He's a teacher. He's an author. He experienced um, child sexual abuse for many, many years, uh, beginning with his mother his grandfather got involved whenever he could, such was the predator nature he had. And then he had a priest at the age of seven who decided to play sex games with him. Um, you know, listening to Frank, I think there's much that can be learned. Uh, how he managed to turn this round is what we're gonna delve into now. So stay put, you don't wanna miss this. Frank, part two. Da -da. Hey, hey, Gloria, great to be back. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, so we we kind of looked at impact and uh, thank you, very, very well put. I guess we're now looking at what do you, yeah, what, what helped you through uh, once you recognised the horror of what had happened to you, what what helped you through? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, it was a long journey, right? I mean, it was a very long, you know, really couple decades journey, ultimately, of, of recovery from this. Um, part of my journey was um, coming to terms with this is what really did happen to me. I mean, because, because I had repressed the memories for so long. I mean, I was really 30 when then the memory started to come and um and and really believing them and trusting them all all the while my mom insisting oh i would never do anything to you i would never sexually abuse you ever never never uh, to the point where i had to actually uh, separate myself from her and say mom i need i need space you know and i went almost a 10 year period where i did not even relate with her because i had to give myself to my own recovery it was just too crazy making um so that so that was a, a long, long journey. And and then also, um, um, you know, I, I was just so ashamed um, that I, I repressed all of this stuff. I, I, I didn't let anybody know that I was even thinking these things or feeling these feelings and would put on this 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 facade, this persona of uh, being, you know, a, you know, a functioning adult and, and successful in my work. I was a professor. I got a Ph.D. Um, I was teaching. I was speaking all putting on this persona of being, you know, this uh, articulate storytelling academic where inside, I mean, I would let nobody see any of the crap that I would, you know, go to bed each night wanting to kill myself and imagining how and all the rages and nightmares and, you know, fantasies and hallucination, all of it completely, completely secret. Um, so I was like living, living a double life and trying to find a way to, to integrate that was, was huge, huge for me. Um, 
But in terms of what what helped, um, I mean, it was it was a, a number of things that helped. Um, one, I mean, getting really good therapy was gigantic, um, and I, I mean, I, I just do not know how it's possible to to navigate recovery from child sexual abuse without trauma therapists, people who really kind of know the terrain. And I and I had a series of outstanding therapists, one in particular I saw for like twelve years, who, who was just enormously, enormously helpful helpful guy. Um, but along that journey, there, there's a few things. I mean, one was watching shows like this. Um, I mean, we didn't have podcasts back in the day. This was in the 90s. Um, but um, but I, I got to the point where I was reading every account I could of sexual abuse, uh, you know, read Courage to Heal and and Victims No Longer by Mike Liu and and watching movies and 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 for me that was incredibly validating. It wasn't it wasn't a wallowing. It was like, oh my God, thank goodness somebody is naming this. It's in the world. I'm not making it up. It's a real, real thing. And and I felt I, you know, paradoxically validated by and and encouraged and 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 understood by these accounts. Um, that was an enormously helpful piece of my recovery. So can you tell us a little more about that? Because I love the fact that you have you've compared it with almost the opposite, which is denial. No, that doesn't happen. No, it's not as prolific as what we think. No, it must all be in your head, she said. Tell us a little bit more about that absolute incredible validation through hearing about other people and recognizing that oh, I'm not alone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember the first time I read Mike Liu, um, you know, his book Victims No Longer, which was, you know, the only book on on sexual abuse of boys that I was aware of back back in the early 90s. And um and 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 weeping. I mean, I I, I and and not only the stories, but but just the list of symptoms. Like these are the kinds of things that that might happen to you. You know, you might have nightmares. You might you might recoil at being touched. You might you might uh, um, uh, uh, think of yourself as as shameful. Um, you know, all, just on down the list. You might have despair. You might be having thoughts of suicide. Um, you might you might have images of of sex uh, uh, of, of acts that that just invade your sleep or invade your 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 consciousness. Day. And I remember reading that and just weeping because it was like, oh my God, you mean this is this is really a thing? I, you know, I thought I was experiencing all these things because I was just bad, that I was just soiled, I was perverted, I was deranged, I was psychotic. It was like, no, my God, there's a reason for all this stuff. There's there's an actual phenomenon of of, of, of sexual abuse. So I felt so affirmed, so so validated, like it's not just some crazy thing inside of me. That was huge for me. That was just so huge. Oh, and, you know, just as I'm hearing you and I'm thinking about our wonderful survivors, hey, team, who also get the opposite of that happen. You see, we have this thing called Davoed, Frank, so be interested to know what you think. We denied we're attacked, our credibility or our state of mind or how we see the world, black sheep is often a label given to us. We, the, the reverse then of the order of victim and offender, very clever. 
Mm-hmm. How yeah. could you say that? Um, he would never do that. So, you know, all of that, so to hear you say that and know that for us as survivors, ah, it's just like a gift. It's not that we want to relive the horror, but it just, I think you said it, it validates, um, kind of not normalises, I guess, but but has us feel less alone. We are yeah. not alone in this. We are not crazy. And, uh, yeah, so look, Frank, what are you um you know, what are you doing now with this? And I know the trauma therapists helped you and I'm so glad you had them. What have you done now with your life in terms of being able to integrate? Because integrate's a big word too. Um, yeah. but in terms of being able to integrate this history of yours into your life and be the amazing person you are today. Yeah, well, I, I really, I'd say two things. One, I mean, I, I kind of consider my adult vocation as being like a psycho-spiritual quest to find healing and recovery. And so so I, you know, I studied and tried every form of therapy, every spiritual practice, every every support group um, that, that, that you could imagine to see what worked it for me and what didn't. I mean, it was a life or death quest for me, but it was but it was one, you know, I'm a professor that I integrated into my teaching so that, you know, I began now teaching, you know, compassion-based ways of, of, of healing, of, of self-restoration, of emotional regulation when uh, when you get you know, dysregulated. Um, that became my, my life's work. Um, so, you know, I teach courses on, on, uh, on psycho-spiritual resources for the healing of trauma and, and uh, contemplative practices and, and, and whatnot. Um, and and then the second thing, which I only did recently after my sister took her life, was um, I decided to tell my story. And so I uh, just I wrote a book um, uh, that is is the it's it's both the memoir of my what happened to me, telling my survivor's story, but it also chronicles in detail what I discovered to to find recovery and healing and wholeness. Um, and um, and so. T- telling that story, writing it as a book, kind of going through both to kind of metabolize the trauma that was still lingering, but also to discern out of that how we might actually help others to find healing and wholeness in the midst of that. That became a a, a survivor's project, a survivor's mission that gave me enormous meaning and, and really did integrate this stuff. And so I told the whole story and then even synthesized at the end, you know, these were kind of 10 things that, that were my my primary coordinates in being able to heal and recover from sexual trauma. So yeah. that, that's enormous in my healing journey. Well, and uh, what I love about that is we know, and, and survivors uh, watching will get this too, when we release it from our head, there's something quite powerful about that because it can sit there. And I'm sure, Frank, that in, in the writing of this, Things that perhaps hadn't quite clicked into place click into place. Absolutely. Yes. And and the awareness and the insight and the knowledge and just the releasing is also a form of vindication. Oh, absolutely. In, in, in fact, the, the, the memoir I just wrote uh, this year is actually my second piece. I, I wrote a novel about 10 years ago 
that was a fictionalized version. You know, I wasn't yet ready to tell my story that it was me, but I wrote a novel about, you know, a person who struggled with sex, child sexual abuse and was working with a child who was abused and kind of the, the journey that happens between them. And you're right, there's something about writing. It's, it's something about taking our experience and crafting it into art that is itself healing. You know, for me, it was writing. It might be sculpture, it might be painting, it might be music, it might be poetry, but but being able to take our experience and give expression to it um, and mold it and shape it with purpose is is part of the, the healing journey. And, and in doing that, I mean, in writing that novel, some of my memories came back to me in the writing of it. It's like, gosh, I, you know, here's this predator, predator priest, you know, who's one of the characters, and I just know he's part of the story. And then it's like, oh my god, this, I know why he's part of the story. I, I had totally forgotten about this, and it kind of comes back. So there is something in the in the artistic process or the writing process, the journaling process that is metabolizing and integrating and and brings pieces of our story into to new insight. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I think, you know, I guess in in a way too, uh, because we're survivors, so we're used to trauma, <laughs> is um we can also get get a little bit triggered or a little bit blindsided in what does come out and, and be made sense of in the release of the information. So yeah. I guess too, I'm wondering, you know, um, You've talked about trauma therapists, you've talked about the writing and, and in terms of that, the integrating. Um, and survivors, by integrating, we're really looking at what was, what happened to you, what during that awful traumatic period in your life and the adult you are today and, and how we integrate that into being the beautiful souls that we are. And yes, you are beautiful souls. So, Frank... What advice would you give or would you offer to survivors who may be watching this and thinking, gosh, I can relate? Uh, yeah, well, uh, a, a couple of things kind of stand out for me. One, one is surrounding yourself with people like you. I mean, people who who will look at you and unequivocally say, I believe you. What you are feeling or thinking or experiencing is there for a reason. I, I understand it should never have happened. It was awful. And, and you are not alone. There is support to help you walk through, whether that be a therapist, a, you know, a, a podcast narrator, or whether it be a, a good friend, a confidant, a teacher, a, a, a spiritual director. Surrounding ourselves with people like that is huge. Um, and the second thing I'll say is, is for me, which was a huge game changer in my own recovery, I, I was plagued by rage. I mean, rage at my mom. I mean, rage that would just ignite, you know, and somebody comes in front of me in the traffic or whatever, uh, self-loathing we talked about, despair. And I would think there's something so wrong with me for the things that I'm feeling. And I would try to fight my feelings. I would try to fight my body. You know, my body's feeling violated. You know, God, there's something wrong with my body. I got to, you know, stop feeling that. I got to stop thinking that. And I would try to fight all the things, the ways my body was being activated. And the game changer for me was when I learned that all of the ways our bodies respond, our emotions they are there for a reason. We're not making it up. It's not because we're crazy. It's not because we're bad. 
There is a reason for the rage. There's a reason for the self-loathing. There's a reason for the shame. And if we can learn to be able, I call it like take the U-turn, is to and kind of look in ourselves and be able to have curiosity and even compassion for the rage that I'm feeling and where, what's underneath it, for the shame that I'm feeling, for the self-loathing. That is a source of healing and validation that is profoundly restorative. So finding practices, finding therapists that can help us really honor our experience instead of doubting it or judging it or fighting it, and really find compassion, self-compassionate ways of being able to tend to our inner worlds and heal the the young children within us that are still imprisoned in the traumatic memories to be able to be, give them the care that they need so that that energy could be released from our bodies and our psyches. That changes everything. I And I so love the way that you've done that. And I'm sure you've realized this, but taking the U-turn leads you back to you. Yeah. Um, which I, I love that. Exactly. But exactly. It, it equally brings me to the body never forgets. Exactly. So if your body is showing you that it needs to express rage or express sadness or just go within and just be quiet and, and almost hermitish, there's a reason for all of it. And I love, Frank, that you've said all of that because what it does is it gives permission for anything you feel is exactly how you need to in that moment. Exactly. It, it's the absolutely appropriate response to what happened to us. Yeah. So I have a question, if I may, about your your mum. She, I'm not sure, and I, I would be helpful to understand. Do you think your mum had repressed or suppressed all of that uh, that she had done to you? Or do you believe she was just in denial and minimizing it uh yeah well, i mean that's a, a great question this is part of the, the journey i describe um so for my mom um eventually we got to the point where um after enough therapeutic work i needed to address what what kind of a relationship i really could have with my mom and so um so with my therapist we invited her to a therapy session and um, and she really wanted to be reconnected. Like I said, it was like ten years. And um, and in that session, um, she uh, she came in saying, you know, look, I I you know I never sexually abused Frank. There is no way I would never be that kind of a person. I'd never be that kind of mom. And and I had um, so my the therapist was enormously enormously skilled. Um, but and 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 basically what he basically what emerged from that is that. My mom, when she thought about sexual abuse, she thought about what her her predator stepfather had done to her. She thought of somebody who raped, who who violated, who was who beat, who was malicious. I mean, who was venomous um, and 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 hoarded, you know, paraded them around. I mean, that's what she had in her head around sexual abuse. And and you know, my therapist was, you know, tell me a little bit about what happened to you and what what you what it felt like. And she, you know didn't want to talk a lot about it, but she said, you know, I felt like I was absolutely used. I never felt like a man in my world, in my whole life ever treated me as anything but a, an object, as a sex object. And, and I was used for their pleasure and, 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 and discarded, you know, at their whims. And, 
And, you know, it's because, you know, that must have sounded horrible. She said, well, let Frank tell you what, what he was experiencing. And what it dawned on me in the course of this was, mom, you know, when you hear the word sexual abuse, you think of what Harold did. You didn't do that to me. Absolutely not. You absolutely did not do that. You were right about that. But what you did to me, constantly sleeping with me, naked, touching my body, never, never giving me agency over what can be touched and what could be kissed. I felt like I was an object. I felt like I was your plaything. I felt like I was there to give you pleasure. And, 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 and you had no idea that I was getting no pleasure at all. And, and over the course of the exchange, it started to dawn on her. And all of a sudden she went, oh, my God. Are you saying that you felt towards me the way I felt towards Harold? I said, yes, mom. And she broke down sobbing, just sobbing, partly out of the shame, partly out of remorse, and partly out of she had no idea. And this was part of the narcissism. It just didn't occur to her how it would be impacting me. But she had no idea how it felt like to me. And so in her sobs, she's going, yes, yes, I, I did all those things, but I thought you liked it. I, I thought I, I just wanted to be close with you. I just wanted to be close. I just wanted to be loved. That's why I did those things. Yeah. And that was an enormous validation because she finally got what her impact was on me in a way she never could have seen before. And it's quite powerful how you've described that actually, you know, Frank, because we can be forgiven for thinking that when you're being sexually abused, it's it's with intent and it's with um, really, um, you know, malicious evil. But actually, for her, it didn't necessarily feel like that to her. To her, it right. felt quite different. It doesn't, however, make it right. And that is why one of my questions to you earlier was, how did it leave you feeling? Because as children, our instinct never lies. And you've described it now as an adult taking the U-turn as children. What we learned to do was don't trust your instinct because you don't exactly. have the power to do anything with it. Exactly, exactly. And so, so we can trust our instincts, trust our feelings, trust what our body is yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. So look, um, we need to close, but is there anything else you would like to add before we finish up today? Uh, well, I just want to express gratitude and what you're doing is, is, is huge for us, all of us who are survivors, like, like you are as well, that to create a space where we could be validated, um, uh, that our experience could be honored and where we could be treated with, with agency and dignity and, and learning to tend to, to our, our limits, you know, when we need to take a break and, and when we can hear these stories, I mean, the, just the spirit with which you do that is is enormously healing and and even sacred as far as I'm concerned. So deep gratitude and um, and to our survivors out there, yeah, finding spaces like this, um, this these are the containers that where true genuine healing can happen. So mm. absolutely, it's so beautiful. Please stay there, Frank. Um, otherwise, I'll hunt you down. Um, yeah. So survivors, you know what a gift and and so much of what 
Frank has said resonates and there's always so many different takeaways aren't there and there's a couple I want to share so you know that whole thing around validation you know when Frank described it earlier it doesn't actually matter in what form it could be a book it could be someone's memoir it could be a podcast it could be a movie Scouts Honours just come out on Netflix by the way but there's there's many different formats or versions of survivors emerging now throughout the world and I think having that as validation for us is almost the opposite of the Darwin we all experienced so I think that's really powerful I think the fact that um, you know Frank was able to talk about when you're feeling an, a strong emotion like rage or powerlessness or you know, without even understanding why, taking that U-turn and, and Frank, I am going to steal that now, the U-turn back into you because there's a reason for everything. So survivors, I hope you've got as much from this as I have today. And uh, this is the end of part two. And as always, I see you, I stand beside you, and I believe you. Thank you.